0: So I'm glad you guys are all here. We're, we're, we're finishing our series today, Brand New Church, and this is part three. And we've sort of been talking over the last few weeks about God doing something new through us and in us, about, about this idea of, of becoming disciples, becoming a place where disciples are made. And uh, I've enjoyed this, and I hope you have too. And the question we started off with is, are you ready to worship this year? Are you ready to worship this year? Because I think what we saw in in last year, in the year of the Rona and all this other silliness that happened last year was we weren't really ready to worship in the way God designed us to worship. When the chips were down, when difficulties happened, when all these things went down, we weren't really prepared to worship in the way God commands us to worship. And remember, God says to worship by, by offering all of your body as a holy and living sacrifice. And that was hard last year. There was a lot of things happening. And so for many of us, we got distracted. But when we read the stories of this book, when we read the heroes of the faith in this Bible, we see of people who weren't distracted by the world. We see of people who were able to worship no matter what was going on. And, and, and they, were, they were giving their lives to God, sacrifice. They were fighting the good fight. And they weren't fighting by picking up swords and spears and knives. They were fighting by laying down their lives to the people who picked up weapons. It's amazing what we see when we read the stories in this book is this selfless, sacrificial faith that absolutely changed the world forever. And the people who did that were called disciples. And so that's what we want to be. That's what we want to become. We want to become the kind of people who changed the world. See, we believe at this this place is that we will change the world when we infiltrate the world with changed people. We will bring healing to the world when healed people leave this place and go out into the world. It's not going to be because of what we say. It's going to be because of how we live and what we do out there. And so we are becoming what God has called us to be. And I've got a job to do. I've got a job to do in this process, and so do you. And my job is in Ephesians 4:11, and it says, "So Christ Himself." Gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of fullness in Christ. That's my job. That's my team's job, it's to equip you. But you must want to be equipped. You must do your job, or we can't do our job. There, I don't. I don't tell many like chicken soup for the church soul jokes because typically I don't think they're funny, and I let my brother handle the unfunny jokes. But I do want to tell one little story today, uh, and I think this is this is a good this is a good church joke. So, so there's this guy. There's this. If y'all have heard this before, act like you hadn't, because I get insecure when you don't laugh. I'm super insecure. So there's this guy on top of a building, right? And there's a flood coming. And he's on the roof of a building and there's this flood coming. He begins to pray to God. He says, God, I need you to rescue me. God, I need you to rescue me from this flood. And as this guy is praying, a guy comes by in a canoe. And the guy says, jump in the boat with me. And the guy says, no, 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 I'm praying. God's going to rescue me. And so he he goes off. And so the guy's on, the, the water's getting higher and higher. And then the speed boat comes by like a John boat, you know, and the guy's like, hey man, get in the boat with me. And the guy on the building goes, no, 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 I'm praying. God's going to save me. God's going to rescue me. And the water keeps coming up higher and higher. And right as the water is about to overtake him, this helicopter comes by, drops a ladder and says, man, jump on the helicopter. And the God says, no, I'm praying. God is going to save me. And about 40 seconds later, the dude drowns, dead. He gets to God and he goes, God, why didn't you save me? And God was like, well, I sent you a canoe, a John boat and a helicopter, And you did nothing. It's not my fault. I feel like that's how God feels with us sometimes. Like we're like, God, I want this, I want that. Or, you know, God, why aren't you moving in this situation? Or God, why, why, why? And God is like, I have given you so many opportunities to become equipped and prepared. And you're not taking the opportunities I give you. I can't trust you with a little. Why am I going to trust you with a lot? And so if you're you're not becoming equipped, one day you're going to stand in front of God and you're going to answer for that. I'm not going to answer for you. I'm only going to answer for me. And if you get to heaven and go, well, I'm not equipped because Tommy didn't do his job, God's going to go, oh, gosh. Let's talk. Like, we got to do this. We got to do it together. I got to do my job, but you've got to do yours. And it's going to take both of us at full speed. So together... We're living out this method in this house. We're, we're going to take everything we've got, every tool, and we're going to use them. And so we said there's, there's a method we're going to follow. And I know there's other methods. There's the Roman roads, and there's other things in Ephesians. There's things, but this, this method, I believe, is a, is a glimpse, is a cliff notes of what God wants for this body of Christ. So Acts 2.42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Man, I love that passage. Um, they, had, they had a process and they worked it, man. They, they did, they were devoted. And this isn't like, it's not like these are things you do to be saved. These aren't steps you take to be loved by God. These are things we do because we're saved. These are things we do because we're loved by God. We're not, the method is not, is not the, like the, the thing that gets you salvation or anything. Jesus Christ's blood, that's what got you salvation. This is just what we do as a response to what he's already done. This is, this is how people respond when they realize what God has done for them. And it says, the for Acts 2.42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And last week, we said our first two steps in the method were called growing and knowing. They devoted themselves to growing and knowing. And for us, what that means is they devoted themselves to studying the Scripture, to studying the Bible— And Bible study and prayer, because those two things you need to do together. You don't want to study the Bible apart from prayer because you come up with weird ideas. And you don't want to just talk to God and not study the Bible because you come up with weird ideas. But they devoted themselves to the Bible study and to prayer. And they devoted themselves not just to growing in that way, but they devoted themselves to being known, to being in community. They don't do these things alone. They did these things in the presence of other people. Because when you just study the Bible by yourself you occasionally come away with some weird ideas. You need people around you. This is the way it was designed to be. And so the first two steps in our method are growing and knowing. And I love that there's a word. Eric, can you go back to that Bible verse for me? It says, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. Devoted is a word that means something, isn't it? Do you think there's any difference between the words devoted and dabbled? You, you, those two different words, right? Like, for instance, if you were to come into my garage... Uh, who, who fishes in here a like, lot? We got any fishermen, hunters in here, anything like that? All right, you're kind of one. Any, any other? I'm kidding. No, you're solid rustic. So if you were to come into my garage, you would know that I was devoted to fishing and hunting, right? I mean, I got, the, you got a little boat, you know, and I got all the camouflage. Like, you would come in and go, wow, Tommy is devoted to fishing and hunting. And I can tell, not because of what he says, but because of what he does and what he has and what he wears. and how Like, you would know that I was devoted to fishing because I've got good stuff. You would know I was devoted to hunting because I got good stuff. Now, where's our carpenter? Ronnie, Ronnie Wallace. Not only would you know that I was devoted to fishing and hunting because my garage is full of that, I built a shelf in my garage the other day. I haven't even told the story yet. <laughs> Be kind. Ronnie, if you were to come into my garage, Ronnie's done some business, if you were to come in my garage and see the shelf that I had built, just based on what you know about me, do you believe that you would think I was devoted to shel- shelvetry? No, not at all, because the shelf I, would be, I have built, it's kind of a little, it's going a little this way because my leg is fake and I tend to lean. So when I, it's a little this way, it's unpainted. You would not say I was devoted to that. You would say he dabbles in shelf building. Because there's a difference in it, right? When when there's a devotion to something, there's an output. There's obvious things. And my devotion to hunting and fishing is obvious because I provide meat for my family. They eat well. Because I'm devoted to killing things for us to eat. (laughs) And you can see it. I dabble in carpentry. And you can see it by the way I built the shelf devotion and dabbling aren't obvious because of what you say they're obvious in the output of what you have done you'll see where i'm going with this one devotion to knowing and growing is not about what you say there should be an obvious output in what you've done that demonstrates devotion that demonstrates care that demonstrates quality that demonstrates that you are cons- like this means something to you The output is not about what you say. It's about the product that you produce, that what's going on in your life. Guys, they didn't know that disciples were disciples because their name was on a list. They didn't know that disciples were disciples because they got up in front of a church and said, I I pledge to support this church, blah, blah, blah. They knew they were disciples because of the, the output of their life. The knowing and growing were apparent by the things they did. And this is what God wants for us. And we believe here that if you're devoted to knowing and growing, there should be some obvious outputs. And those obvious outputs are the next three parts of the method, and they are serving, giving, and praising. And these aren't more religious activities. This isn't religious duty. This is what you do because your devotion has led you here. If you are devoted to knowing and growing, then giving and serving and praising should be the automatic output of what you're already doing. It's not more to do. It's just what happens when people are devoted to the first two. And the good news is, y'all already said yes. Which makes this whole thing really easy. So let's talk about these next three steps today. And, I, man, I'm so excited about this. If he, serving is the first step, by the way. So knowing, growing, serving. Ephesians 4.1 So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his body for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. All right, go go back. Yeah, good, thank you. To equip his people for works of service. You guys all read this with me. To equip his people for works of service. Of service so what are you being equipped for works of service this is why you're being equipped we're not being equipped so we can sit around and talk about how equipped we are I'm equipped you're equipped I mean we're so equipped we're doing it so that we can go do what equipped people do which is go serve the output of of equipping the output of knowing and growing the output of these things aren't people who can sit around and win bible trivia games that's that's not the point It's so that we go into the world and serve people. Like, this is what they did. As a matter of fact, in Acts 2, 43, it says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Okay, so these guys are full of Jesus. They're full of the Holy Spirit. They're committed to knowing and growing. And then they begin to go out, and people are actually seeing what they're doing, and they're filled with awe at the signs and wonders. And do you know what most of the signs and wonders they did revolved around? Healing people. They, it's not like they said, watch, here's a sign. I'm going to take a fireball and make a, you know, a pelican out of it. That wasn't what they did. They went out into the world <laughs> and served people. They helped people. They healed people. And when people saw these people equipped and serving, they were like, oh, there's something different about that. There's something different about those people who aren't just talking about it. They're out in the world, and they're living it. And God began to begin to perform miracles because these people were so devoted. They served selflessly and sacrificially, and they went out into the world, guys. And you have that opportunity here. You have that opportunity here to go in the world and do signs and wonders and, and show people what it looks like. Every Friday night, you have this opportunity to serve in the streets. Every Friday night, there is a group of people from this place who go into homeless camps and love people. You have this opportunity, and I've been with them, and when I see them, do you know what I see? I see signs and wonders. I see signs that my God is alive. I see wonders that people still care and that that not everything's a fight, that sometimes we can unite around something bigger than ourselves. I wonder at the greatness of my God when I see these people serving on Friday nights. And you can do that. And if you don't want to, you can do safe families here. We, we provide for, for, for parents and moms who, who make the choice to keep their child, and they need someone to come along beside them and help them and love on them. And we need to be those people. And you have that opportunity here. But you don't, just, you don't need me to tell you how to serve. Somebody's going to stand in front of Jesus one day and go, I wanted to serve, but Tommy never told me how. And Jesus is going to go, ay, ay, ay. Really? You don't need me to tell you how to serve. Look around and find someone and then love them. My favorite call, and I'm not making fun of any of y'all, I am a little of everybody, of all of us, myself included, is when someone will call me and say something like this. "Um, Hey, Tommy, my neighbor next to me is is a single widow and her yard really needs to be mowed. Can you send someone from the church to mow it? Hmm. And every time I go, yeah, yeah, no problem. Can I ask you a few questions first? Uh, What's their address? Okay. Do you have a lawnmower? Yes. Okay, great. We just accomplished this mission, didn't we? (laughs) Walk over there and mow their grass. Can someone from the church? I've got a neighbor who needs their electric bill paid. Can someone from the church come and pay it? Yes. Who? You. I mean, you are the church, guys. You are the body of Christ for the world. You are the temple where people come to experience God. If you see someone that needs to be served, then just serve them up. You're all waiters and waitresses at Chili's now. Just serve them up. You have the ability to do exactly what God needs you to do in the moment, and you don't need me to tell you how. But we are going to commit to serve like never before as a matter of fact, this summer, we're going to do something we're calling the Summer of Serve. And none of us even know what that is yet, but we know it's going to be super cool. And you're all going to have the opportunity to do it with us. We are going to spend an entire summer focused on serving. Because that is what people do. It is the automatic response to the devotion that's already in you. Acts 4, 2.44 says, by the way, this is the next step, and it's called giving. Acts 2.44 all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. I have been waiting to preach this part of this message for like eight months. Let me, let me tell what happened in the Acts church. Everyone came together, and they brought their resources, their money, so that they could provide for the church, and so that they could afford the ministries in the world, and they didn't all bring the same thing, because Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was rich, okay? Matthew had more money than Peter, who was a fisherman, but they both brought what they had so that the church could go out in the world and do what the church existed to do. That's what they were doing, and that's why they shared their possessions, and no one had a need, it was a beautiful, incredible thing, and Every time I talk about this, I try to think, okay, how can, I, how can I explain the joy of giving to people? Because we have some faithful people here who get this, but we have a whole lot more people who need to take a step in this area, just, just not, not because it's going to make their life better, but because it's what disciples do. It's the automatic response to the devotion that's in you. And so I think, how can I explain the joy that comes from generosity? And so I, I'm writing this part of a message, and I'm like, okay, I'll tell them about the tithe. I'll read Malachi. And I'm like, well, that's not really all that exciting. So I'll just talk about Jesus commanding us to do it. And I was like, yeah, tried that one. So then as I was, as I was working on this message, and I was trying to think about how I was going to tell you how to be generous, God said something to me, and he said, Tommy, don't tell them about generosity, show them about generosity. And I said, God, that's probably going to take more work. But that's what he told me to do. So this year we're going to do something we have never done before. Um, Guys, we give a certain amount of money to local missions every year. uh, And we we invest. And I'll be honest, it's it's a good amount, but I I don't think it's ever been what it should be. And so I'm putting together the budget for 2021. And this is a while back. And what the process goes like this, for those of you who are wondering, I have to put together a budget and then have to present it to church council to get their approval and everything. And so that's basically how it goes because they don't just let me make these decisions. So I'm putting together the budget, just like many of you might have a written budget for your family. And I'm looking at the numbers from last year and I'm saying, all right, in 2020, our giving was down somewhere five, 10%, which is not bad considering everything we've been through. It actually shows a tremendous amount of faithfulness on your part. And so I'm looking at that, I'm going, okay, okay. So I put together a budget for 2021 and I reduced it by 20%. I said, we are gonna spend 20% less in 2021 than we spent, blah, blah, and I'm just thinking about this. And I put together a budget that was safe and it was, it was good, and I knew we could do it. And so I'm getting ready to, to close my computer and present this to church council, and God spoke another word to me, and he said, into my heart, into my spirit, you are boring me right now. And I was like, what? And he said, you're boring me. He said, you have put together a budget that didn't require me. He said, if you don't want me involved in your church's finances, then handle it. But if you do, then do something that requires me because you're boring me right now. And I said, okay. So I began to think, God, what is it you want from us? What is it you want us to do? And so God said, I want you to invest in your community in a way you never have before. And I said, okay, what's, what's the amount? I mean, you know, let's do business, God. Here we go. Let's go. How much are we talking? And then God spoke a number to me. And this is the number we're going to invest in local missions this year. And the number we're going to invest in local missions in 2021 is $100,000. <laughs> $100,000 hundred thousand dollars that is a lot of money guys That's a lot of money. And and you're thinking, well, don't we have a building to pay for? Yes. And you have a home note and you have a car note. And we all have other obligations for our money. But our top obligation off the top is going to be roughly 10% of what I think this church is going to bring in this year. That is a tithe. Our church is going to tithe to demonstrate tithing so that we understand the power of generosity. That is $8,000 every month. We are going to invest in local missions in this community And we cannot do that if God does not move in a way he's never moved before in this house. Let me tell you how we're going to do the first one this month. This month, we've got two organizations we're going to invest in. And I am super proud and excited of both of these. And the first one is we're going to write a check tonight for $4,000 to an organization called Deeper Still. Deeper Still is an organization that has won my heart uh, because it has won the heart of some of my friends. And it isn't, oh man, it's so beautiful. Guys, y'all know we, we value life in this place. And we value the life of the unborn. And we do. And we're going to demonstrate that. We also value the life of a woman who's made a decision to terminate life. And Deeper Steel is an organization that provides spiritual, emotional, and mental healing for women who have terminated their pregnancy. There are millions of women in the church who have made this decision. I wish we would have maybe done more on the front end, but we didn't but we cannot let them remain uh, feeling full of shame and guilt and all the things that rob us from life. We are going to be a church that values the life of the woman all the way across her life. And I could not be more excited to write that check. second check we're going to write is is a $3,500 check to an organization called Safe Families for Children. And Safe Families for Children comes along. Guys, and I'm just being like completely blunt because there's no reason not to. I get so tired of the church telling women to keep their babies and then abandoning the women who keep their babies. Like what is wrong with us? That's an unacceptable response for a church that values life. And Safe Families is an organization that comes along beside these young moms and these, and these women who are in, imagine you're 19 or 20 years old and you're in a city where you know no one and you're pregnant and you've got no village to surround you. The church should be the village that surrounds those women. And Safe Families is an organization that does that, so I am proud to write that check, and I hope it's the first of many because they are doing good work. And I can't and, oh, we got $500 left for those of you doing the math. You're all like, well, I know he stinks at math, but this one isn't that hard. The other $500 we're going to invest in our homeless ministry. You know why? Because we value those lives too. $8,000 worth of checks being written tonight. And it's your money, and it's my money. And I could not be more excited about what we're doing with it this year. And so I'm asking, good news as you all have already said yes to this. <laughs> Guys, commit to this. Commit to doing something different in the world. And we're, we're going to support organizations that love people and, the, and, the, and that foster care and understanding. And like, this is what we should do. Why? Because it's our religious duty? No, because it's the natural output of our devotion to knowing and growing. And so we will be a church that demonstrates generosity. And I can't wait. And the final part of our method is a word praising. So it's knowing, growing, serving, giving, and praising. And praising is the natural output of what happens when you're knowing and growing and giving and serving. Right, th- this is just what people do. It's it said in Acts, it said they, they broke bread together in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts and they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all people and the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. Listen to that. They, they broke bread together. They're praising God with glad and sincere hearts and why were they praising God in an area where you would be put to death for praising God and I can tell you why. Because all week they had been devoted to growing. All week, they'd been devoted to studying the Scripture together and being in groups together. And all week, they'd been devoted to knowing, being known by people. And all week, they'd been devoted to serving. They had gone out and served the world. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to serve the world like we never have before. And all week, they had been devoted to giving. And this is what we're going to do. In the words of 50 Cent, we're going to give rich or die trying this year. And that's my first time to quote him, but it was time. Time. We are going to give in a way we never have before, and we will go broke doing it if that's what we have to do to demonstrate generosity. And when you've been doing those things all week, do you know what this becomes? Praise. No one who's been doing that all week wakes up and goes, oh, I have to go to church again today. So tired of church. You can't wait to get in here. You cannot wait to get in here. When you've been growing and knowing and serving and giving and you get in here and you're like, man, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a wedding party and you can't wait to get in here and brag about the groom. And you can't wait to see, it. but man, did you hear about this week and my group was studying this week and you hear we're doing Deeper Still and Save Families and like this is affecting people from our church and we're celebrating what God has done all week. This is a party, not a funeral, but it's only a party for people who've been partying all week. So do it. Like, devote yourselves to this. For one year, for one year, devote yourselves to this. Devote yourselves to what we're doing together. Because I believe God moved in their way that was amazing. It says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's what God did. When they devoted themselves, God added to their number those who were being saved. And everyone was provided for. and And they were hanging out. And they were having fun. That's what God did. And I believe he'll do it again. But I won't, I don't think he'll do it for those who are just here to dabble. I think he'll do it for those who are devoted. And you don't have to tell someone which one you are because the evidence is all over your life. And if you you don't want to do these things, I had someone say to me this week, you know, well, I mean, if, if I don't want to do these things, do I have to leave the church? And I was like, no, you've been here for 10 years. You haven't done anything yet. Clearly, we're not going to make you leave. That's a paraphrase of what I said. But that's what I thought. Now they know. (laughs) You don't have to leave. You don't want to do any of these things. You can sit and watch us devote. And my prayer for you is that by watching that, you will go, man, I'm hungry for that. I had a friend, and I don't even know if this analogy makes sense, but it made sense to me. He and I were riding home from a, a time together, and he doesn't really believe what we believe in it right now, and, and he said, you know, Jones, he said, um, this is so, so weird, but he's one of my friends, so you can imagine how weird he is, and he was like, it, it's almost like you're saying you've got a lobster, and that lobster makes your life better, but I believe that there's lots of lobsters that can make my life better. And your lobster, meaning Jesus, is just one of the many lobsters. Like, I could pick a lot of lobsters. And I said, okay, friend, imagine this then. Imagine a place where everyone came in and they rallied around the same lobster. Imagine a place where, where you would see them worshiping and it was so contagious, you're like, I want that lobster. Imagine a place where people were constantly out in the world laying down their lives for other people, not trying to prove their point, but actually trying to change the world. Imagine a place where they used their time and their energy and their money to make sure that everyone tasted the lobster they had. And my friend said this, and I'm not kidding. He said, if I ever saw a church that served that lobster, I'd probably change my mind. Guys, no one ever has a problem with Jesus. I was, I was at the gym this week and I was talking to a guy, why don't you come to church? At no point did this guy say, because I don't like Jesus. You know why they don't do it? Us. Because we're not devoted. Because we're not devoted. We've dabbled in Christianity too long. Now it's time to devote ourselves to becoming like Christ. And for those who will do this, We will change the world together. We will change the world together. And so we're going to ask those of you who want to do this, uh, we're going to have covenants available. I think you can get them online or in in the lobby. You're like, oh, I'm going to have to sign something. I'm going to ask you to sign something with someone. I'm in covenant with the leadership team and, and with, with my staff and with my family of, of here's what we're gonna do, here's how we're gonna grow and here's how we're gonna know and here's how we're gonna give and serve and praise and I have, I have a written covenant which, which we wrote and we want you to sign that covenant and be in covenant with someone. You don't have to be in covenant with me. You don't have to tell me anything. Be in covenant so you can be with your spouse, you can be with your best friend but look at someone and say, I'm devoted, are you? Will you devote with me? Then if so, let, let's sign this thing together, let's exchange it, and let's hold each other accountable to devoting ourselves to something greater than ourselves. For one year. It's, we, don't, it's, we don't have a full year now. And like three months of that is summer of serve, Guys, let's do this. The Bible says God is looking for a place that is faithful. He is scanning the world for hearts that will surrender it all to him. I believe God has the power to do great things in this community and I want to be part of it. I'm going to stand in front of Jesus one day and he's going to look at me and he's not going to say, Tommy, but he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And I hope and pray and I'm intentionally deciding to live my life in such a way that I can look him in the eyes and say, I gave you everything so that I might hear the words that we all want to hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant." But that will not happen if you just decide to dabble.